Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The bark and the bite, or should I say, roar. So come down to the den, if you dare. It's the Millwall Fan Show on Love Sport. Love Sport Radio, Jake Watson here with you till 10pm this evening. Obviously just had the Arsenal guys and really appreciate their time this evening. And I have missed that song. Um, you like I don't that song, do this show, this, this, this show anywhere near enough, so each time that gets a little chuckle out of me. Um, of course, uh, as usual, uh, joined in the studio by Nick, but we've got Michael and Danielle with us as well this evening for this Millwall Fan Show. How are we this evening? Are we all well? Very good, thank you. Yeah? As well as can be expected yeah. after a last minute well. loss. I mean, Saturday. some people would go as far as to saying the game of the season, you know, unless you're a Millwall fan. Who'd say that? <laughs> yeah, everyone who doesn't support Millwall. Everyone who does support Millwall. I mean, what a game, though. Like, a, a roller coaster and yeah. emotions here, there and everywhere. What's Now you've had a few days to, to settle. What, what, what do you make of that day down at Carrow Road? Well, I got a bit battered online. I don't know if you saw this, any or any listeners out there saw it. I got a bit battered because I actually said it, said it was a really good performance. I mm. think I actually used the word to be proud of. I think that's what got mm. me the mm-hmm. the grief. Um, so how can you be proud of a of a defeat? But I took a lot of positives away from that game. I thought we really took the game to Norwich. We we we, we got ourselves back in front, having gone behind. Mm. It's just frustrating, I think, in the end. And how offside was the third goal? You know, how it was a good yard in front of the last defender. I could tell you that because I was standing almost bang on the on the line. I, I know where the away end is at Norwich. Yeah. You're, you're bang on in, in, and, in um, down the line. You know, refereeing, poor refereeing. It's the bane of everyone's life. But th- that was a third. The third critical goal was a good yard offside. So I don't think we threw the game away. As some criticise me. I thought we we had it stolen from us. You see, certainly, certainly interesting because. Um, 
as a lot of the feedback I've seen about the game is, apart from the people who commented on yours, Nick, is, um, <laughs> is, um, is have they all since been blocked? Or? <laughs> yeah, no, not I, 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 I don't not block anyone. Bl- it takes a lot for me to block anyone. <laughs> yeah, the Twitter police run them, but um, <laughs> but it's it's interesting because a lot of the feedback I've seen has been from the fans' point of view has been very very <clears> positive. You know, a lot of people said that sort of thing, but to be proud of dubious yeah. goals. I haven't seen the penalty decision that many times, but you know the argument of the penalty, the nine minutes of added time when only five was given, etc., etc. So from the fans' point of view and from the Millsport's point of view, everyone seems to be, well, that was a good performance, we'll go on from here, it might have been a defeat, but, you know, three goals away from home still is a good thing. But then you read Neil Harris, who's like, it's unacceptable. It, I can't yeah. have my team form. Does I know, he not have to say that, though? That's what I was going to say. I know there's a professional level, but, you know, other teams sort d- of play play worse and get better feedback from the manager. Maybe he's at the point now, though, where he can't keep defending it every Possibly. single match Possibly. and has to come out and say something different. Um you know, I, I, at the end of the day, we, we came back many times. We scored like three goals. I, I think we need to assess that. And yet again, it was the, the late last minute goals, wasn't it? Yeah. That was our undoing. The, the, the fourth goal was poor defending to a degree. They, they ran basic for our defence. I think everyone was frightened of touching the Norwich forward that was coming at us for fear of giving away a penalty. Um, so that, that, I would say, was poor defending. I, I, I was a little bit um, taken aback by Neil's post-match comments if I'm going to be honest because it felt a little bit like the dressing room door had been left ajar and we'd all looked in and seen because he, he was hadn't making, quite cooled down yeah, yeah and he maybe. made comments about defending <coughs> being like his, his daughter's under under sevens and <laughs> yeah, which, which, sometimes, which sometimes shut the door Neil yeah. don't say that to the press I mean, shut as, the door as silly as it sounds I know it's like the cliche but sometimes you do think like when they go oh, pub pub football defending you think well some pub teams don't defend like that they play better than that but I, I, know what you, I know what you're saying the thing yeah. is though like we, we all know that it was one all with about 10 minutes left yeah. of this game and it, it's finished 4-3 when Norwich scored the third as you say it was offside was was there a certain air of inevitability that that this was going to happen by that point um it felt Do you know because sometimes not- you get that don't you you sat there in a stadium like we're going to score they're going to score it's, they're going to score not the first, and it just happened it's not the first game this season yeah, where we've that. had decisions that have gone against us and shouldn't have and it has affected the game and whether it's just I don't know I mean the the players did fight till the end but whether it's just actually it's quite frustrating for them because you know no matter what they do there's always that decision and it goes against them and it can change the whole game yeah. um, but if you, you keep playing games and that happens every time or you know not every time but if it happens a lot of the time then it is going to affect you at some point but you but you say that uh, I mean like with the late goal conceded you saying it's not, not the first time you know it, it's happened a few times and as much as you um, you've said Jake as well that oh you know are they going to score it feels like they're going to score to us, it feels even more because they have been doing it. Middlesbrough is an example. Mm. Leeds was an example again. Derby, if they played for another five minutes, they may have scored an equaliser. We we just keep conceding these goals from eighty five mm. onwards, and it, it you you feel like you know. I mean, years ago in the mid mid nineties, late nineties, you know, there was always there was that stat that Mill always conceded in the last ten minutes, mm. and it seems to be going a little bit back like that, doesn't it? Where Mill, Mill always tended to concede like the 88th minute in like the 99 season or something like that. The thing that struck me, I mean, obviously we had the offside goal and I won't call it anything else other than the offside goal. In all fairness, uh, with, you know, with the benefit of a few days worth of cool-down time, the, the disallowed goal for Norwich in the first half, I don't know what that was disallowed for, I couldn't see anything wrong with it on the telly. In real time, it's hard to tell, but it looked like a fair goal disallowed, so... 
poor refereeing swings both ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but the fourth goal, the one that lost the game for us, we were actually pressing forwards. I think it was from a breakout from a corner, last-minute corner. So we're pressing forwards, trying to nick the three points, which I approve of. And I don't know a Mill fan that wouldn't want us to press forward with... At three all, mm. trying to steal a game at, at Norwich, especially so, yeah, especially away from home as well. Sometimes exactly. you pay a price for, for for pressing, don't you? It's almost at the stage where I, I think I'd almost prefer it to be nil nil right up until like the last minute and us to <laughs> get a really late that, goal Daniel. because <laughs> yeah, but you you know to get a really late goal because if we score early on, it's almost that you know you're counting you are counting the oh, clock yeah, down the every pressure. single yeah. minute because you just you think well you know how many goals have we scored like or conceded like late on and you just waiting for it to happen yeah I mean if that's going through our minds it's going through the players minds it's, it's, it, this becomes a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy doesn't it and yeah. um, you know your, your point is right Jake I mean as, as we got into those last few minutes you get this in, in, in a sinking feeling that here yeah. we go again you know especially when the offside goal yeah, <laughs> yeah we've all been we have all been there as football fans yeah. but obviously Norwich as well did miss a penalty they in did. the game so I mean you're talking about potentially five goals conceded in a game thanks Jack. <laughs> look <laughs> we've not been good on the road this season I think we can safely say that if you're going to go to somewhere like Carrow and score three goals it must make it extra hard to swallow that you've not taken anything from that game yeah and we, we kept them quiet for large chunks of the game and we, we you know they're a good side let's, let's not beat around the bush they're a good side they're well managed they've got um, mm-hmm. resources that we don't have players sat on the bench that we give our right arms to have back Ben Marshall I'm thinking of so that's a good side they remind me of a, of a kind of a slightly um, maybe a pound shop version of Liverpool in, in a way um, in that they are great coming forwards but, yeah you know if you're going to go to Carrow Road attack them and that's you know it might be unfair on Liverpool but you'd attack Liverpool at Anfield because they're better defend uh, better attacking than they are defending mm. so I put Norwich in the same in the same category as that so I think we we're approached it in the right way i want to pick up on that point you mentioned there about norwich's budget because in the pre-match interview that neil harris did he mentioned a similar thing and i I believe you know it stems from the fact that ben marshall signed for norwich this year and now isn't playing a huge amount Mm. because this really i know this because i've spent a lot of time in the area and and michael bailey eastern daily press journalist is going to join us after the break um it really got up the backs of Norwich City fans because over the last two seasons, they've had to cut back absolutely everything to the point that they their team is half academy products, loanees, um, people from the fre- uh, German second division. And there's a couple of other ones who remain, who they're unable to kind of move off the wage bill and nobody wants to buy them because of the wages that they've got. It really did anger the Norwich fans. And I, I, yeah, I wanted oh, well, to... I wouldn't mind having those problems. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> oh, my were, heart bleeds for them. Were, were you aware that those comments had, had irked them? I, I wasn't, were you, Daniel? No, I, no, I, I, I missed that pass no. me by. Yeah. Um, it's only because I'm still so well connected with the Norwich area that I, I saw Michael's article, actually, with, with Neil's quotes, and it was the headline brackets, big spending Norwich City. Because Neil did say that, and Norwich actually haven't spent a penny in I, terms of actually buying players in, in comparison to some of the other championship clubs. Ben Marshall's an interesting one because 
Mm-hmm. Max Aarons has come through their academy as an 18-year-old mm-hmm. who looks incredible, by the way. And Ben Marshall was supposed to be in that position, but... He's being kept out. I mean, he was yeah. on the bench. He didn't show at mm-hmm. all. didn't even warm but up. But he did, did start he? the season. Yeah but, yeah, but that's also what I was going to say with the Ben Marshall thing. A lot, like, a lot of people who don't know sort of Norwich too well, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I do, but when you <laughs> sort of read and hear about the Norwich thing, it's not a case that Ben Marshall's actually been playing particularly bad. He, he apparently made a few mistakes at the start of the season. He just can't get in the side. Mm. And, he, it, and you can't change winning side. So it's not necessarily that Ben Marshall's been a disastrous buy for them. Mm. He's just unfortunately done the whole not... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, so... But but do you think that those comments from Neil were perhaps what the Norwich fans would say, a little bit uneducated and he hadn't perhaps done the research and it was a bit of a cheap dig? I think it depends who you compare yourself to, as silly as it sounds, because if you are are going to compare yourselves to Stoke, who spent, what, 14 million on... um, Benicafobe was it or someone like yeah, of, yeah, course, yeah. of course then, then they can't spend but if you compare it to a standard championship side or less like the Millwalls of course you're going to be big spenders I mean Norwich's expectation will be their top six minimum do you know what it probably wasn't no honestly so? honestly last season yes right. but after the season they had last year it probably wasn't because of the cuts they've had. They've had every sellable asset they have. They've had to sell, and every player who's on a big wage is being completely frozen out. So yeah. it's a really interesting one, guys. We're going to take a quick break, and we, we can continue this debate with a man who knows significantly more than I, and was of course at the game at the weekend. Uh, Michael Bailey, he's a sports journalist. He, he covers Norwich City extensively, and we'll speak to him next. Welcome back to Love Sport Radio, joined by the guys for the Millwall Fan Show. We are discussing the many, many talking points from, in my opinion, one of the games of the season so far. For whatever reason, you guys don't agree with me. No. Absolutely no idea why. Um, but we're going to get the take from the opposition. Uh, Michael Bailey, uh, Chief Norwich City Writer from the Eastern Daily Press, uh, joins us now on the phone. Michael, good evening. Hello, Jake. Good evening, gents. Good evening, Michael. How are you, Michael? You well? Yeah, not so bad. Thank you very much. I'm currently watching uh, Norwich City's under-23s getting annihilated by Athletic Bilbao. Oh, so nice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, any, any of those under-23s going to make their way into the first team, like some of the crop we've seen this year, perhaps? Uh, not on this evidence, no, <laughs> but you know, let's not write them off just yet. Um, Todd, Todd Campbell's playing, he's uh, just going back from injury, so he's as close as anyone, I suppose, but um, I think we've got enough youngsters in the, uh, in the starting team at the moment. Yeah, let, let's talk about that starting team that played at the weekend against Millwall. What was your assessment on the game, first of all? Oh, crumbs, yeah, <laughs> right, how long do you come for? I mean, it was one hell of a game, I think... Um, I think the way Norwich, the, the character Norwich showed, and um, we, we got to see how well they have played in recent weeks in patches. Um, but the, in just the, the way that they ended the game, I think it was a phenomenal character that they showed. I thought it was a wonderful game of football in terms of uh, the old cliche advert from the championship. I thought I thought Mill were excellent, actually, given they're sort of a bit surprised as to how low they are in the table off the back of it, because... I thought they were on the front foot. They, they they did their best work when they were when they weren't leading in the game. To be honest, because each time they got ahead, they sort of went back into their shell, which 
given how difficult they run away from home has been so far this season, it, it probably made life a bit hard for them. But when they were level or, or trying to make something happen, I thought they were really good. They needed to ball well. Like they obviously had carried the set-piece threat. But in general, they, they, they pushed Norwich and, um, and, and then they were able to sort of keep them out quite well too. Um, so uh, it was definitely a cracking game of football, uh, probably a one-off. So I don't think we should necessarily make too many grand sweeping statements but um, just be glad we all got to see it I suppose although I'm sure the guys in the studio probably don't feel the same way well they've got some questions for you <laughs> it was a great oh, game for the yeah. neutral where Michael. Do I, live? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know there weren't, there weren't any neutrals where I was standing in the away section unfortunately so it wasn't such a great um, great finish I, I, I was really struck by the um, I was making a comparison off air with, with Jake with Norwich um, I, I, I thought they resembled Liverpool in a sense that a good side coming forwards and you know, you can get at them um, in, 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 you know, defensively. They look a little bit more fragile. I thought we got at them a little bit, um, which I don't think they were quite expecting us to come quite so hard at Carrow Road. Yeah, I think that um, I think Norwich stumbled at home last year a lot with my teams parking the bus effectively, mm. um, and and again, you know, teams lower down the table than Norwich, which was only sort of twelve teams last season. Um, making life a difficult and Norwich drop uh, a load of points against teams below them in the table. So, And I think some, some Norwich fans were probably expecting there to be that sort of um, action from Millwall on Saturday. But it was very different and I think that sort of that opened up the game a lot in terms of for, for both sides. And they're, they're definitely they're definitely not as tight as they were but they're, they're, for the fact that they're probably not quite as good and as tight at the back they are yeah. that much better going forward, so it's it's a it's a better balance for them in terms of probably picking up more wins. And I think that's you know they've lost they've lost four games already this season. So I think there's five teams that have already lost uh, fewer games than Norwich, but it's just the fact they've won ten games which has really propelled them to where they are in the table. I was struck by their pa- uh, Norwich's passing ability at speed. I mean, it's one of the one of the things. If we could, if we could just get a fraction of that into the Millwall side, I think it would be a very different prospect. But our fans criticise our team at times have been a little bit too direct, a little bit too predictable. Um, and what I did admire in the Norwich side was that ability to move at pace. And I mean, the fourth goal is probably a great example of that. They cut straight through the the middle of the Mill defence, and uh, you know we give our right arms for for a touch of that. Um, I, I was quite interested to hear that um, you know. The, the the club has, has had some um, some financial um, cutbacks recently. I, I thought that Norwich were <laughs> flush with money and uh, throwing it around on Ben Marshall's wage packet, <laughs> to getting him to tend the pitch and you know look after the flowers outside and stuff on twenty seven a week. <laughs> um, but it, so, so did Neil Harris. Yeah. That's, that's what he was alluding to. <laughs> and it did it did get picked up. Um, so I believe, yeah. yeah. I think. Um, yeah, and I, I was probably I put a couple of uh, cheeky tweets out about that. Well. <laughs> Did I you? It's always you, is it? Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> Poking the Millwall uh, fans. It wasn't just me. It probably wasn't just me. But, um, <laughs> I mean, basically, you're in the Premier League for three, four years. You you earn money without trying. Um, mm. It's it's phenomenal. But you, as a club, you, you chase them, what that brings. You bring in bigger players. You pay bigger wages. You pay bigger agencies. And Norwich haven't got any kind of benefactors that back that up when no. it goes wrong. So... What they did is they sort of chased it in the final January before they got relegated. They should have ended up seven points clear of relegation with a few games to go, and instead they uh, got done by Sunderland, who ended up staying up by some sort of miracle, and, and all of a sudden Norwich owed a lot of money, had no real way to recoup it, and then chased it a bit the first year they came down, and that didn't happen either. And from that point on, they had a massive hole. Um, and it's it's not... 
and reasonable to say they had it all gone wrong, Norwich would have ended up you know, probably battling administration and all sorts um, if they hadn't necessarily you know, brought in Stuart Webber and, and had the changes in the backroom staff and huge transfer fees for some really talented players but that they are now missing and rebuilding the club that way. So, um, I mean, Norwich have had to slash their wage bill from 80 million to uh, like 20 odd wow. um, over these years. Okay. It's a phenomenal turnaround in such a short space of time. And, you know, they, in fairness, you know, they, the players they're playing now, they're, they, I don't think anyone's really cost them more than one and a half million quid. I mean, obviously, you guys will pick up on the Ben Marshall transfer. Um, and it's interesting how that. <laughs> Just doesn't really seem to have worked out so mm. far. But we'll have him know, back if you if you don't need him. <laughs> well, you, you, you joke. I, I am going to be quite interested to see what happens in January because he's not involved. Norwich's issue is they haven't got many homegrown players, and Ben Marshall is one of those. So in that respect, he's well, really if you see him, there's his spot in the dressing room still there for him. It's as he left it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's strange because I've always loved Ben Marshall. I was delighted when Norwich nipped in and, and got him, and I think you know they they seem to want to play him at right back and. Right. They haven't really given him, they've given him occasions throughout the pitch, but I'm not entirely convinced the way he wants to go about things ties in with how Norwich is going about things. Obviously, that's not so much of an issue when it's going well for Norwich elsewhere. So, yeah, well, January might be a slightly interesting one. We'll see. Yeah, I was, I was just going to touch on that with January, fair enough, because you're, yeah, you're top of the tree nearly halfway through the season. You're, you're three points clear of Champions-elect Leeds in, in third. <laughs> well, popular acclaim. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was, I was just going to say, how, how, how do you think January will go? Because obviously the likes of, of Middlesbrough and Leeds, you know, looking at the table now, Sheffield United, West Brom, they're all within touching distance of those automatic places. And you, you're, you're saying with Norwich being in sort of, you know, some kind of financial peril to a degree do you think in January there, there could be some, some movement or or could you just see yeah, the squad saying um, as it is yeah I think um, I mean they've done so much work to reduce the cost that actually they probably have to sell a player in a player or two in in uh, the summer if they don't go up but I think they can resist any pressure in January unless they get silly money so I think if they're well placed I don't think they'll need to sell I don't think they'll buy much um, there's maybe a couple of issue areas where they could do with a bit of help and they are probably a little bit short with homegrown players but um, it's not really Stuart Webb the sporting directors um, he doesn't really like doing business in January because it costs so much money and everyone's a bit panicked around how you do it and I even if they've got a reasonably sized squad so even if they're in, the, in and around it come January I don't think they would really push hard to add and of course a lot of the other teams are going to, you know, Middlesbrough, Derby, Leeds, probably. They're going to push for it. Villa, you can see them spending a shed load again. So I think Norwich will be up against that. But by the same token, they've got probably a big enough squad now. They do seem to be in a perfect element in terms of what everyone is doing and how they're approaching games. And um, I'm not so worried about January from Norwich's perspective. Hmm. It's probably just the business that others do that they will then have to come up against. I think that's probably more of an issue. But uh, I wouldn't have an issue if Norwich didn't really do any business in uh, January. Michael, last season um, when Norwich went to Millwall, um, it kind of changed. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind <laughs> of changed Norwich's season, didn't it? Do you sense this year? the Norwich are kind of maybe a, a different vibe around this Norwich squad and they'll deal with the Den maybe a little bit better than what they did last year. Yeah, it was interesting that Neil Harris still brought up that game when they got done for deal and said, oh, Norwich seems to have found a backbone, which, um, <laughs> which is fair enough. That, Good old the, Neil. The thing, about, <laughs> the thing about that, I love it. Making friends. The, the thing about that game was that um, it, it was the, the end of August, we'd had five games and 
we were all going like, Norwich are going to go to Millwall and they're going to get completely dumb because the way they're doing things is so naive. And it just completely played out like that. It was just the most predictable thing I've ever seen. Um, so they did learn a lot from that, I think. Um, and they're probably still only reaping the rewards from some of those lessons now. Um, but, you know, I look at Millwall, I don't know if, if whether they're quite as fluent in, and... and as, I don't know, almost robust. They've obviously lost a few really good quality players mm-hmm. um, that they're still making up for. So I, I'm not necessarily sure that Millwall would be the same um, uh, uh, you know, prospect in terms of coming up against them. Uh, I can't even remember when the Millwall game is. I'm guessing it's sometime sort of um, in, in April or whenever. Uh, if I'm honest, I didn't year. check. <laughs> no, well, that's poor research, Jake, but I'll let you off. <laughs> um, I, I think, um, yeah, that... that it will be a different game because Norwich are playing much more um, sensible streetwise championship football they will almost certainly be players who wind up the den because they'll be going over too easily as they see it and I'm sure that was the case on Saturday too but that's just (laughs) how they're going about it I suppose and um, yeah Norwich will come unstuck at certain grounds and to be honest the den will probably be one of them if no one will write at it because that's just the, the nature of the beast. But, Absolutely. Um, I, I think Norwich are going about showing that they've got more to them than they had last season all over the pitch. Top man, Michael, really appreciate your time this evening. Enjoy under-23s versus Athletic Bilbao. Hopefully uh, <laughs> your young guns can, can can turn it around. I really appreciate your time, mate. Uh, Michael Bailey there, a really, really top man, Michael, um, sports journalist for the Eastern Daily Press. Uh, anything in particular you, you disagree with or agree with what Michael said? No, there, but Nick? I'm fascinated by what tournament it is where Norwich is under-23s take did on a similar thing Bilbao. last season where they played Villarreal, Porto. It's something they've done. Because we take on Colchester. And yeah, we, yeah. We, yeah, we'd get like Dully Jamlet or <laughs> someone like it's that. Like crushed an, by them. It's, it's yeah. like an international under-23s tournament and they've done it for the last couple of years. I don't know necessarily... That's probably where some I, of their I, 80 million right. is going. I get a sense foreign teams don't want to play us. Do you, you pick up on that? Yeah, something? a little bit of yeah, that. I don't know why. Imagine the why? poor 16-year-old <laughs> Spanish lad who's, who's, who's never had a proper tackle before go play against Mule under 23s. <laughs> yeah. Juan, why are you not taking a throw? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's legged it. <laughs> I think the, the Norwich game is I mean Norwich is such a nice place I was driving in on Saturday well, this is lovely it's beautiful isn't it, it the, the countryside is gorgeous the, the city is gorgeous um, the people are quite nice it's just hard to build up the mill fury that you need to, to sustain <laughs> um, a real mill fighting mill performance we did a job but um, I thought they were a decent side but, I mean, you know. coming back to Ben Marshall are we thinking that we would have him back and put oh. Leonard on the bench I need you to hold that thought okay. <laughs> hold it Ben Marshall, Ryan Leonard, those are the two names. Keep them in your head, and we'll discuss this after your news here on Love Talk. We've still got another hour for you this evening, so plenty of those thoughts. Millwall fans, get involved as well. 0208 70 20 558 is the number you need to call. Okay, well, we are going to head to your news here on Love Sport in just a couple of moments. But as you say, we've still got another hour here for the Millwall Fan Show on Love Sport. Uh, we do want to get your views in today. Send us a tweet at Love Sport Radio. Give us a ring 02087020558. I feel like we've discussed most of Millwall against Norwich from the weekend. Probably still a couple of other bits and pieces. Let's talk about the defence. Let's talk about tactics. Apparently, there's a, a small army of Neil Harris out. Um, we'll probably discuss that after your news uh, and that is here next on Love Sport
Welcome back. It's the Millwall Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Jake Watson in for Aaron Paul, joined by Nick Hart, Michael Avery and Danielle Lake this evening. So, look, it's the international break, the thing that we all absolutely love. Nick, the come dreads, on, we love it. Go on the UEFA <laughs> Nations League, Group B4, whatever we're in. Tell you what, when England qualify for the Euros through the UEFA Nations I League, even you'll noticed. all be sat here saying what a wonderful idea it is. Does it, does it run alongside qualification for the Euros? It, that's a separate tournament? No, it, it? Doesn't Honestly. it fix your seeding or something? <clears throat> I'm right. genuinely confused. Where did this all come from? It, it, is, it is really, really confusing. So my reading of the situation is the winners of all the pots then go into another tournament right. of the group. So if you group A, you win that one, you qualify for the European Championships. Right. So you then don't have to do European qualification. But everyone else who doesn't win from their UEFA Nations then has to do the usual qualification. So it's a so bit. It's a, so it's a bit like Eurovision. So you basically get two hits that try yeah, and quali- yeah. qualify for the Euros, which is in, in a way kind of unless you unless you pay a part of the production value of it. I think basically what needs to happen here is we need to go through the whole thing, and then and then I think at that point we'll maybe be a little clear on how this works. I thought. I mean, uh, I kind of. It's kind like of Brexit. Like the there are people making careers at the moment trying to explain how the UEFA Nations League works. I quite like the idea of not having international friendlies. I, d- I don't really oh, yeah. like. I think it's worked well. So I quite like the competitive yeah. touch. That's a, that's a good thing. Michael's shaking his head. Why? Why don't you like it? Because uh, uh, you're playing against good teams. So we've been playing Spain and Croatia instead of Moldova, Slovakia, and, it's and whatever. It's got an edge to it. I mean, I, I like that. That's that's a good thing. There can be no. Um, yeah, that's understandable. But it was like we were saying a little while ago. A few weeks ago when it was either Poland or someone like that I can't yeah. remember who it was they finished bottom of their group they don't care they don't care that they're bottom of the no, group and they're in, no. they're in league it's C4 almost like the start of the championship before it started yeah preliminary yeah. and then, so it's like you do the first round but and then you do it all over again but would you rather have meaningless friendlies before the championship or would you rather have a little tournament I, I'd, I'd, I mean I'd sort of have like a premier league of nations you know, like an actual league table where you every game means something or, or a some european sort. breakaway <laughs> super nations <laughs> i can't believe we're not part of that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've been excluded jake <laughs> Why? You make friends know. everywhere you go. I don't know. Neil Why? Harris is now one of the most popular men in Norfolk. There you go. Norfolk. That's his, that's his title. When he, when, he, when he gets us promoted, he'll get promoted. Norfolk Neil. There we go. What were we thinking about Wayne Rooney coming back? Wayne Rooney. Um, this is his last cap. His one mm. last go, which originally I thought was going to be a charity charity thing, mm. um, which I liked. And then it wasn't a charity thing. It's now one last cap. And I don't see... That, that I don't approve of so much. I quite like the idea of a charity. To, to a degree, charity. they should have made it like, you know, like the Barbarians games in rugby. Where, no, 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 in all seriousness, the Barbarians games, when you play against the Barbarians, mm. you play for England or your country, mm-hmm. but it's not a recognised cap. You're still playing for the country, but it, it's not got the pomp and circumstance of actually being... Why does it matter if it's a real cap or not? Um, I think we're all overthinking this, and I think it's... I think it's a nice thing. This guy, and I like I like oh, no, Wayne Rooney. Yeah, I, I mean, I, so I, I don't do I. buy the whole um, anti-Wayne thing that mm. goes on because th- there would be an argument in some quarters the way he's actually playing right now for DC that with Welbeck being injured that he could be in the squad anyway. It's not like we're taking some little 
Jimmy along and mm. just giving him five minutes at the end. Or some little Theo Walcott in the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> but Beckham, not... Beckham played for England whilst with, in, in, with, with LA, didn't he? It was capped. Yeah, against Trinidad and Tobago. And that it? was literally just mm. to get him over the record, wasn't it? We were yeah. just giving Beckham caps towards the end. He was just coming on for five minutes for his last ten, pretty much. Wayne Rooney is in my opinion, one of England's greatest ever players. And statistically, in terms of caps and goals, nobody can really argue with it. He's playing incredibly well right now for DC United. They're playing a game in America, which is pretty meaningless. Mm. We're without a striker anyway in Danny Welbeck. I don't understand why it's such an issue. No, it's just the way it's been sold. I mean, I haven't really followed the story, but I thought mm-hmm. the the original idea was that the one is it the one hundredth cap for, for for Wayne? Is it? Is, 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 well, he's he's well over a hundred. So yeah, well, yeah. it's his last, and that, this was going to be a this charity event for uh, Wayne Rooney's foundation. It was. Yeah. And I thought that was a nice deal, you know, that's, that, that's good. But then then the charitable side of it didn't seem to be quite as strong as it was first um, portrayed. I think they backpedalled a little bit. Yeah, and it's that, that's that's the part that... Because, yeah. I think they only backpedalled because of the reaction. The, what, we, the yeah. weasels at the FA, I that's think, what, that's I what we If everyone had said what a wonderful <laughs> idea, he'd be playing, he'd be captaining, they, he'd be starting, and all the money would be going to his they, they live under dark stones, you know, <laughs> they, they, that's the trouble with the, the, the FA. What I do like, though, and this is what Daniel and I were saying outside, is that, you know, you get a lot of players who sort of do retire early um, I think who's the um, former Arsenal Germany defender um, Mertesacker was it he, he retired at something like 29 but with Rooney he's sort of doing the whole I'll, I'll never say no to my country if mm. they ever ask to play for him and he's stuck by that you know I know yeah, he could yeah. quite easily have the moral high ground say you know like I've done my bit don't need to play any more young players coming through but he's actually stuck by, by what he said if my country asked me I, I can't turn it down and to a point he's, he's only doing what any other football football fan or young football player yeah. would do what i think is a but he's still a sellout no, I'm joking. <laughs> a much much bigger talking point and and if you're going to disagree with something i'd go with this fabian delf will oh, be captain no, in england I, he wasn't I even in the, the, the squad the other week yeah there's more yeah. to being a captain than no uh, maybe at club level maybe at club level but international level you can't have someone captaining who's not necessarily even going to be in the next squad in gareth we trust i mean i love gareth southgate we did all this through the world cup me and aaron going loggerheads yeah, yeah, so i'm I'm, yeah. I'm fully in the gareth you know You're a gareth, gareth, gareth fan, fan yes boy, yeah. he's the one I, I, he's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to sing the next line then, but I thought it'd be really weird. <laughs> it's, I mean, international football generally is, 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 is unfortunately <clears throat> increasingly devalued, but because of the rise of the ever increasing rise of club football generally, and you know, it's I, I, I just think some of these little stunty type of moves, like you know, bringing Wayne back and Fabian Delph, and you know, it just devalues it still further. And I'm just a bit wary of it. I, I like the idea that the being England captain. Once upon a time was a real honour, and mm. you know it meant something. I'm just not versus sure it does anymore to the same extent. But there we are, then old, the old school. Mm. No, no, I, I do agree with you because you, Bobby Moore, bring yeah. him back. Yeah. <laughs> no, he can't. Oh, no, he can't. <laughs> no, but they're, they're they're obviously. I mean, it, as you were saying, it shows how football changed. And I mean, like when I'm not as old as some other football fans out there, but even when I was growing up, it was all about winning the FA Cup and, like, you know, walking up the famous stairs of the old Wembley to lift the FA Cup Mm. and play for England. These days, I mean, I mean, Arsene Wenger said it when, well, before he won the FA Cup the first time with the nine-year gap when he was, like, finishing fourth of the trophy and there's always the argument where people will be like, well, I'll be happy having a year playing Champions League football every year, but... Some of my age and probably some of your age, Nick, with all due respect, would probably go, well, I'd rather have like the one FA Cup medal in my cabinet than that. And that, that's what it is. The England captaincy, when you had people like, 
you know, Tony Adams with it, Alan Shearer, Paul Wintz all covered in blood when, you know, mm. even Terry Butchers yeah. before that. You know, you looked and you, you no matter who who that person played for at the time, you're like, that is that is our captain. But like you said, the armbands is going around slightly easier than it than it used to. It's going from Delft to Rooney in one night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, What's we, we, that be, about? It, it turns it into like the Harlem Globetrotters, isn't it? You know, it's it, it, it doesn't have meaning and that's that's uh, that's a sad thing because the England shirt and the England captaincy should be more than um, you know. We'll need to see if he does the uh, yeah. We need to see if there's a ceremonial substitution that John Terry did <laughs> in the tenth minute. <laughs> so who'd, who'd be in goal? Pickford puts it out for a throw, and then they all set off fireworks as Rooney comes on. This that, that is a very American thing. I can actually see that happening. There you go. It could very much if, if he's good enough for JT in the twenty sixth minute. And they'll physically roll him out. Right, we're going to take a break, and we'll stick on the international break theme, but focus on uh, the Millwall guys. In action and not in action. Glittering the tapestry of, of international Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Love Sport Radio. It's the Millwall Fan Show. We are on a little bit of an international break tangent. You're but starting to say Millwall like Millwall, you're like Millwall properly. Because the only time I really hear it... When I first met you is Mill- Millwall. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll bring it kind of back a little bit focus towards Millwall for the international break you've got some players involved Um, three of them all involved in the same game Republic taking on uh, Northern Ireland later on um, this week it's a fairly big deal isn't it yeah, I mean, we've never had so many international players in all of my life. Um, I mean, you know, we used to have the odd player, um, often Republic of Ireland players. I remember Raymond Dunphy when I first started going in the 70s. He was our uh, international player. And then we have the odd player here and there. But it seems in recent years we've acquired this tapestry of talent, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Shane Ferguson, Conor McLaughlin for the for Northern Ireland. And um, well, we've lost... Was it Savile, was it? Oh, George yeah. Savile could have yeah, been another company. And, of course, Aidan O'Brien. And, and Shane Williams as well, Sean Williams um, for the Republic. So we're certainly, you know, we, we've certainly got a lot of international players, um, which is a great thing in a, in a Millwall supporter's life, isn't it? Mm. I think it was uh, the when Jimmy Abdu signing for the Comoros that really started the. Uh, <laughs> set the trend. The, that was the catalyst for all of this. Set the trend. People started to take note of Millwall. <laughs> I don't know if Marlon's playing for Antigua and Barbuda this week, but he's, um, he's often called away yeah. to the West Indies, isn't he? Um, one thing I want to pick up, actually, I'm not sure, Nick, if it was you or yeah. Harry who tweeted this a, a little while ago, is along the lines of Aidan O'Brien and the position that he plays for, for club and country. Did, did this ring a bell? Well, a- Aiden Aiden is a player in search of a position. Yeah, um, he's is played he, on the wing. And for who? For Mil- Mil- Millwall. But um, it, it, I think he's a striker. Person. He's I quite think. versatile, really. When you actually, you know, look at where he can play he's in our system he's not a winger in my opinion no. I don't think he's a good winger I think he lacks pace and uh, delivery two essential elements of a winger's trade <laughs> <laughs> <That's very laughs> me, me and Nick agree on a lot of things in life don't we Nick but the uh, Aiden O'Brien's where we are this, the but I like him I, I like him as a player I like him as a striker because he's a goal scorer and he's, he's a, a poacher he's I a think, poacher yeah. he, he, he takes chances and that's really where we've fallen short this season I know that Lee Gregory is the man in, in the position but I'd like <coughs> to see Aiden play more often up front for us I'm I'm a fan of him on the wing I have to say I don't yeah, I don't I yeah I'm on there Daniel yeah yeah I've voted Nick yeah as so often in my life nothing new in this I'll tell you that no it's just I mean I said it a couple of years ago when he was on the wing in the um 
when we were promoting from League One, he got like 18 goals in the last season. I just think it's another string to the bow of, of, of Millwall, if, we, if we're looking at Millwall for the moment. Um, it's another string to our bow in the sense that, you know, if we've got Lee Gregory and Steve Morrison up top or Tom Elliott, whoever it is we put up there, that he, Aidan O'Brien always finds this space. And like, he he does finish like a, like a striker, so I'm mm, not going to disagree yeah, with that. Yeah, his, yeah. his finishing is phenomenal. But the way he does, I've always said it, the way he finds... He just finds himself on the penalty spot with about mm. five, six yards I, of space around. I him think all he's the time. a real handful for a mm. defender because he just—he's sort of everywhere. On you know, he—he's not predictable, and I don't no, know if that's no. intentional or not. But no. he's not, and I just think he—he's just a handful because they can't predict where he's going to be. I think I think there's an, there's an element to it as well. You are right there, Daniel. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Apologies. Right. Um, I think I think there is a, a you you said on your uh, on your podcast last week, Nick. I think it was at Norwich when you said like is the four four two getting worked out? Is it being sussed out, or mm. should Mill stop playing it from now on? I think the thing is is because Mill has been so set on a four four two formation. If you have got a player who is on the left wing. But his kind of free role, who can kind of do what he, he wants, cuts in, he, he cuts in exactly yeah. my point. Yeah, do Millwall fans are thinking? No, if he's on the left wing, like like a like a Schofield, like yeah. a Scadac, he needs to cross the ball in. But because we're not used to that player in that formation over the years, we've been watching. Is it? Could that be one of the reasons why people don't think he's? Good enough in the wing. It's it's just a fault. I I I think you know uh, Shane Ferguson's been you know the forgotten man's made this comeback, and the reason he's made the comeback is he's a good crosser of the ball, mm-hmm. and that serves Tom Elliott increasingly. But Steve Morrison in the middle and for the knockdowns, that's that's the role that we in this formation. I can't see it changing. I can't see it changing during the course of the season. I don't think we're going to switch into some Norwich style passing style. You know, with <laughs> four, four, positions, four positions off the uh, <laughs> you know of bottom place um, with Christmas looming I think we're going to stick with this now and I think rightly and you know who, who would you play on the wing uh, to serve Elliot and, and, and Gregory or you know Morrison and Gregory or Mor- Bradshaw's injured now unfortunately but you'd want the cross coming in and I think Ferguson Shane is Ferguson. the man he that is. delivers yeah. the cross you know and as, as Jed does on, on mm. the right um, so it's really hard to see where a really talented player Aidan O'Brien in my opinion where he fits in and that's a really strange situation mm. to find yourself in when we're struggling because you know there's a real talent there sometimes too much choice isn't a good thing necessarily because I think it, we were Last season, we we were very limited with who we had and where we could play them, and it almost worked enough. Well, it did work in our favour because it it just works. Whereas yeah. at the moment, it's you know, do we do this? Do we do that? You know, if we put this player in, it changes the game. <laughs> Spoilt for choice, really. Yeah. Spoilt for choice. I think to a degree, um, as you were saying, where, where could you put Aiden? I mean, now that we've got the Fergusons and the Skalax who can play on the left as well if he needs to, and, you know, Jed sometimes swaps wings as well, but that's obviously for a different dynamic of cutting in, but they swap over. O'Brien could, through no fault his own, end up in that, remember that Ed Upson role where you've, when we signed him and you look at him and you go, we've got a pretty good midfielder here, but we don't know what to do do with with him him. because... We can't put him centre midfield because Sean Williams is there. So, but he's too good not to play. But he can't play left wing. So we'll put him on the right, and then we'll end up just sending him some MK Dons. <laughs> <laughs> banished, banished to Milton Keynes. And I know you're listening, Aidan. <laughs> I know you're a fan while you're getting ready. We don't want that to happen. Um, other international um, player not in duty is Jordan Archer. Dropped from the Scotland squad. Why, Nick? Because he's not getting any game time. Really surprising. (laughs) Why? (laughs) 
Why? He oh, should be getting some game time, shouldn't he? Is Ben Amos our loan? Uh, can't play against Bolton. He's on loan from Bolton. It's a chance then for Jordan um, to get back in. Yes, it's a chance. Um, there seems to have been this kind of. Um, relationship breakdown doesn't there between Neil Harris and, and Jordan Archer um, where you know I think I think Jordan at times last season saved us games and he, he also cost us games cost us points critical points that could have we could now be you, you were a fan though weren't you I'm sure I, we've I, had I, these conversations <coughs> before you were definitely on the I'm, I remain a fan yeah I, I, I like Jordan Archer um, you know Ben Amos on Saturday did really well for us um, he conceded four goals and he saves penalties um, I, I'm not sure sh- how many goals have we conceded with Ben Amos yeah but the, but the thing is though this, <laughs> this, is, this, is, the, this is the conversation I always have with Harry Warren how many could Ben Amos have saved and I think there's a bit of a difference there in, in the um, in the Wigan game there, there was the, the free kick that came in there was a huge deflection and he went in the bottom corner everyone's like oh we should have saved that well he, how could he have seen that deflection that literally took the, the ball the into the right thing is we, we are much poorer defensively this season oh absolutely, and, absolutely. you know obviously exactly Hutchinson well. has been out for periods of that um, and we're still Weirdly playing Murray Wallace as well as Hutchinson and Jake Cooper. Um, but we've also got a different goalkeeper. So would all of that not have... I mean, it's going to have an effect on our defence. So maybe like keeping it consistent or as consistent as you can to last season might. Jewellery isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I don't know. I, I think this season, and Norwich is a good example about dwelling back on the game on Saturday. <clears throat> Every game seems to be a bit I've like moved a, on, Nick. <laughs> you want to dwell, on. mate? <laughs> I can't move on. <laughs> uh, it's just an example. Every game for me this season feels a little bit like a cup tie where we're clinging on. It's mm. like you know, bodies are being thrown into the last ditch tackles and like an FA Cup run almost. You can you can get away with individual games. You can't sustain a league season on on that basis. Mm. And I'm just um, thinking back to Saturday. Again, space was given to the Norwich player on the edge of the penalty, and we've seen a lot of that. Right, time for another breather, but still loads more to get through here on the Millwall Fan Show till 10 pm. Love sport. Love sport. 
Welcome back. It's Love Sport Radio. It's the Millwall Fan Show up until 10pm. Jake Watson joined in the studio by Michael, Nick and Danielle. Um, I believe we're going to at some point talk about Brexit. I shall explain. What's that, Jake? You <laughs> Honestly and truly, Nick, I have absolutely <laughs> no idea. So when we do come to that junction of the show, I'm just going to let you guys talk. We'll let Danielle take the lead on that Is that one. all right? Danielle, um, happy with that? <laughs> yep, brilliant. Yep. Perfect. So let's just talk about Millwall for a little while longer. Um, Tom Bradshaw, out for the season. Yeah. What a, what a shame. Um, injured his knee, apparently. Mm. Um, out for the season, which is, you know, always heartbreaking for any player. And particularly as he's our million pound striker. Yeah. And I've waited a long while. I've waited yeah. 30 years. I'm still years. fuming. I'm still fuming you spent, you broke Paul Goddard's Paul, Paul blooming transfer record. record. I bet Goddard's lips still quivering. Honestly, still shaking with anger. In yeah. some ways, though. It's On a player we're not actually going to see play. It's the most deeply Millwall <laughs> thing you yeah. could ever think of. If it was going to happen to anyone. Yeah. You finally break this £900,000 record on. and then he injures his knee. He's only played about 10 minutes of <laughs> football for us. So actually, it goes straight to the very of what it is to be a Millwall fan. And things as well, we're not. <laughs> well, get well soon, Tom. Yeah. I, 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 I know like you're listening. We're something. laughing, but yeah, get well yeah, soon. We're laughing, but we, we were laughing with you, not at you. Yeah. On, um, on a serious note, that, those sort of, it's an ACL injury, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? They're, they're tough to come back from. Yeah, those ones. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's Football's that's changed, hasn't it? And in terms of like the percentages of <laughs> how how many players it affects after is dwindling all the time. I mean, Callum Wilson, for for example, just been called up into the England squad. He's done his cruciate twice. <clears throat> Mm. You know, so you know, back in the day, Nick, <laughs> you know, people, the would, days, yeah. people would do the cruciates, and that's them done. Oh, that's the career, the career. career over. Oh, the, the Brian Clough, um, he did his cruciate, didn't he? And which is crazy yeah. to think, really, now, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. no, sometimes it can be f- such an innocuous injury. People actually play on sometimes after doing the cruciate, and it's not until like the knee swells up a couple of days later, and then it's kind of strange to feel that that moment at the time when they were able to carry on running and playing ends someone's career. I mean, what little we've seen of Tom Bradshaw, and I don't mean that sarcastic. We've only seen him for a yeah, yeah. brief periods. Um, I've liked the look of him. He looks like mm, a quick, sharp, sharp, quick mm. thinking finisher. Everything that we've we've been looking for. And again, another player that's not had starts. But anyway, that's a different different conversation. So to lose him now is is is, is gutting, you know, and and really tough on the boy. So you know, in all seriousness, I want to want to send our best wishes <laughs> to him because that is a tough break. And as you say, um, it's not the old days but that will be on his mind definitely um i suppose really the question is with him being out for the season you need another striker (laughs) so so so, so what what do we do obviously do you promote within do you make do with what you've got do you go go find someone do you do 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 something tactically with the players you've got or do you go out and spend another million quid on a striker we do have Aidan O'Brien yeah we do you know that's a serious point well to to help our poor friends up in Norfolk who can only spend 20 million pound on wages at (laughs) let's take Jordan Rhodes for the rest of the season uh, well, I mean, I, I, I or Ben Marshall, yeah. Ben, uh, whoever's available at that level of quality, yeah. I mean, you know, we will need some reinforcements. We're not scoring yeah. enough goals, are we? And that's we're conceding too many, and we're not scoring enough. So there's 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 a problem. And yeah, I, I yeah. think at the moment it's not it's not up front that we need to worry about. We too need much. to tighten the back. Yeah, that's for sure. But. Um, I, I, I think Aiden could do a job. I, I would probably get slaughtered online, but I don't. I'm, I'm quite, I agree with you. I'll share the. I'm quite I'll enjoying getting slaughtered abuse. online. It's, 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 quite, it's quite strange. You know, it's the villain of the piece. The, the alter ego of the, the panto villain. Yeah. <laughs> 
bring him back. Bring but in all Hayden. seriousness, does the club have the ability to go out and maybe buy someone if needs be? Because let's be brutally honest, where you are in the league table right now is somewhat precarious. And mm. if if um, Neil doesn't. 100% believe in what he's got he may go to the board and say look guys we know our championship status here is at risk because you know our main striker or you know the money we, we, we had has, has been spent on this strike he's now injured if we yeah. don't score goals if we don't do something we could be in for a real real struggle this year I, I think the January um, loan window will be crucial um, we do have this layered approach we need a good player but it needs to be a Millwall mm. good yeah. player which is a different thing there's a there's a oh yeah, yeah, there yeah. good players Don't need to tell we, me. We've, we've got rid of good players because they weren't Millwall good players yeah you know I'm thinking of Lewis Graben as you yeah know, look at it, he's you know, the best example yeah and, and and other players too over time um where we've with John Marquis who are, you know mm. you can argue about the quality of John but um he's scoring goals for Doncaster in League One well you know that would normally be a player we'd look at and say well he's a, he's a Millwall fan he's a Lewisham boy bring him back but yeah, um, and strangely, John's John Marquez has scored basically a lot of goals at every club he's been at, except for Millwall. So no, no even when he was on loan at Gillingham, he got to like nine in seventeen. Fred, yeah. Fred, Fred, on Fred, yeah. Fred, put him in Wickham, and he, he turns into a different player. Um, I don't know why this is. What, it's what a, I think it, it, it's a, probably a confidence thing. Sometimes, but I think Fred lost all his confidence at Millwall. You know, the fans were on his back all the time. The it fans must are so be. encouraging, There's, Daniel. I mean, oh, they're, 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 every time. Try harder, Fred. so nice to him. <laughs> Think about what plash you're making. You know? <laughs> unlucky. Yeah, unlucky. <laughs> you know, right your, isn't, your fault you, isn't your fault you <laughs> fell over <laughs> again? <laughs> But I think you're right. We, we do slaughter our lambs, don't we? And um, some you know, can handle it, and some, some can't. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Fred is a talent. Um, how good a talent, I don't know. But he certainly scores goals at Wickham. So there's got, there's got to be something in there, isn't there? Yeah, no, yeah. of course. Interesting debate. We'll carry we'll carry it forward because I've got a few names as well to, to pose to you of potential. Oh, Where's Lucas? This is where we need Lucas. So you, you throw names at me, I'll never know where they are. Well, all right then. I'll, I'll let you have a read of them before I throw them at you, and then. You can give me a considered report <laughs> once you've quickly gone with Google. Google. Yeah, Google. Exactly. <laughs> right, we're back in a couple of minutes. Yeah, welcome back. So, Michael, Brexit. <laughs> Go. What was that? <laughs> there used to be an Look, ancient, all I'm saying is, right. but before each of these shows, I'm provided with notes, I'm provided with information, <laughs> because, you know, we don't just sling this thing together. And quite clearly, on this here, at 9.32, which is the exact time it is... Oh, it's 9.33 now. You missed no, your chance. No, 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 no. Got a ten-minute window. In there fact. used to be an ancient Morecambe and Wise sketch, and this would be lost on all of you, because you're too, all too young <laughs> to know what I'm on about. <laughs> and the running gag was he would, he would always cough and go, Arsenal. It was supposed to be a quiz answer. Arsenal, so Brexit. <laughs> so, <coughs> Brexit, in Brexit, brackets, yeah. for Michael. For Michael. It's, for Michael. I, f- I find it very interesting <laughs> that... Um, how I, like, I like the turn this has taken on love sport. I mean, again, I will forewarn, I cannot get involved in this. You're not totally because, politically neutral, Joe. No, not because I'm you know, wary of putting out some kind of political opinion on the radio. It's just your next employer might be a Remainer and you no, as leave. Because yeah. I know nothing. Oh, right, OK. I, I, we we, we I have fans nothing. who foam at the mouth about Brexit constantly. You know, they, they, they and that's not didn't. just Danielle. <laughs> Danielle's foaming at the mouth. Right, Brexit. this second. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's hear What do you want to talk about? Because there are some notes here. There's, there's some thought that's gone behind this, the topic you want to discuss the premier league yeah the, the, the premier league basically asking that brexit doesn't affect them it can affect the entire country the, the poor sort of people who work in the shops and everything like that and yeah shake your protein shake in a neutral sorry way. i'm yep, just go for it yeah i'm just 
I'm just taking the back. No, I'm, I'm going to sit with a protein shake while you discuss it, this. It's, it's just very interesting how it, you know the, the government is trying to secure an exemption, as it says here, that would allow not just freedom of movement of European players. I mean, has anybody considered? I mean, obviously, I haven't because <laughs> I know nothing about this topic. That something like Brexit could affect who we well, sign. Well, it's interesting because they were saying with um, with Man City, is, is it Mares who they mm. signed from Leicester? Yep. Ap- apparently. He doesn't fit the criteria to play. If 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 Brexit came in under the employment, does that mean he gets sent back to Leicester? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, but he w- he wouldn't be able to play for um for Man City, and I think um, he'd be sent abroad. Yeah, and I think I think Kante's another one. Well, not necessarily sent abroad. I'm not sure how it would happen, but <laughs> th- these are players that you know. Mares, he was a, a record signing for Man City. Wouldn't be allowed to play for him. I'll, I'll be devil's advocate because I think the the, the the paragraph we're looking at. Um, you know, we're, we're being playful with it, but it, the idea is that the FA are being asked for special exemption for Premier League, as it always wants special exemption for everything because it's some special thing that mm-hmm. you know um, exists in a in a bubble. But the FA wants guarantees on younger British talent to. Um, I don't know how they're going to do this, whether they'll be required to start younger British players. or mm. there, there was a time before the modern game began, this is before 1992 for you younger listeners, when I, I was there. clubs had um, limited numbers of foreign players. They, they had to have, uh, I remember Manchester United having to sign English players to make up their mm. quota. Mm. But it's something they do in the Championship, isn't it? And what Michael alluded to earlier, the problems that Norwich have had, they've been, to talk about the academy players they're playing, they were forced to play them because yeah. they didn't have enough homegrown players. And I feel that the Premier League is completely oblivious well, to the fact that the Championship yeah. clubs have to do so, this. So no bad thing, a quota system. Yeah, is I, no like, bad it. Thing. I it's, like it. It's, it's just, it makes love with the quota system because when they suggest, was it, was it they suggested the six and five, um, mm. or was it the seven and four, or whatever it was, where the FA said, you know, <coughs> we want this. The Premier League said, no, that goes against employment law. Yeah, and then okay, well, we'll have it as long as because use an example of uh, Cesc Fabregas, he came through the Arsenal youth system, didn't he? He would class as a homegrown, homegrown player. player yeah. So there you go, you got round it like that. But I mean, as you were saying, Nick, like like the before '92 thing and just slightly after, with all due respect, it was like Roberto Carlos. He qualified as a sort of European player because he spent so long with Real Madrid mm. same as um, Baptista when he was at Real Madrid and he um, went to what was the other Spanish club went to? Well, he went to like other these, all these European clubs and he qualified so the Premier League will find the way out of it because they always do find their way out of these things and uh, yeah, it shouldn't have to be enforced by Brexit or politics it should be actually and obviously the championship didn't have yeah. to do it I'm, I'm, so take I'm, it upon I'm themselves a, yeah I'm, I'm a believer when they spoke about the six and five and or or whatever the quote was i was always under the i always would think that how would you feel if you was an, an english centre midfielder who you know for a fact you're not good enough to play in that cup final but you're standing in the centre midfield because you're you're english you know that kind of thing so we're going to get into a bit, bit, bit of a political debate which i didn't want to but it's <laughs> phone in listeners yeah, phone, phone in, in phone in on your opinion on brexit so uh, opinion what's on that brexit? phone line nick yeah. <laughs> what is the number? <laughs> just give Michael's mobile. Yeah, just yeah. What's the mobile? Ring me after seven. The show. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's just it's just very interesting how you know that they've looked at you know let's try and change rules all for us because there is as Nick has alluded to and as many of us agree who are outside the Premier League, it's this God-given right we are the best in the world and rules don't mm. apply to us. On the Premier League subject, that's Brexit done with. Because I ran out oh, of questions. Ring Sorry, in, Michael. Uh, you, had, you, had, you had your five minutes. Oh, four and a half minutes is <laughs> um, Richard Scudamore, he's leaving the Premier League. Yeah, and Premier should we have a whip round? Or he needs well, to go, this is go the thing. Has anyone got so, 250 grand in the Premier League? Pocket? If you're not aware of the story, I'm sure you are anyway, but 
Premier League clubs yeah. have all been asked to um, donate. Like an envelope. It's somewhat odd because you usually donate to people in need. But Premier League clubs have been asked to donate quarter of a million pounds each to outgoing Premier League supremo uh, Richard Scudamore. What is your take does he, does he need on the this? Money? Well, no, but I had this argument with Brian Moore yesterday, and it was it was an argument. Um, and he says, "Well, this man has made the Premier League what it is. He's has made he? it has a twenty he? billion. Pound. He has. <laughs> or... I mean, in the time that he's been in charge, he's been the head supremo. He's been the top guy. That the money that he's made, the product that he's developed." then is this not what he deserves? That's I, I his would, argument. I would quibble. That's a good, strong word. I would quibble. I like that word. Quibble. That he has created the Premier League. He hasn't. But I, I think in any other industry... When, where would you get that? If you build a business up and... Or you... I don't know. You get new contracts and, you know, you manage to sign new contracts and that. You When you leave, you don't take a percentage of that because that's your job and that's what you're paid to do <clears throat> well you've been very well paid for it I, I i don't buy this idea that he is solely responsible for the success mm. of the premier league i mean it, it's compiled it'll be interesting to see if any of the premier league clubs say no I, I wouldn't i mean you know if the envelope came to my desk i wouldn't stick a fiver in there would you, I, you know, oh, no. I might write best wishes in his <laughs> card and pass it on maybe you know take take, take a couple of pennies out or something but it's, um, it's lucky it's lucky that Norwich aren't in the Premier League with their cash problems he's <laughs> <laughs> an Ipswich player right there, Michael rein it in <laughs> didn't he come from this. Ipswich was he not in Ipswich town Scudamore yeah I don't know I think he was Ipswich was he really um, but I, uh, it, it's, it's a wash with money they, they have so much money in the Premier League they really do yeah. not know what to do yeah. with it have a whip round of 250 and stick it into I mean, there's a picture posted on, on Twitter a, a guy with his son's under sevens pitch flood, uh, flooded because of the rain so yeah. they need a free cheap pitch of drains this was a stick thing. it into that i think the last evening. time perhaps or maybe maybe it was in the summer when the first story broke nick that mm. the fa were considering selling wembley i think it was maybe with you or aaron or what mm. we were in here all together and yeah. we had an argument about it and I, I find it incredible that we we came so close to selling our national stadium and the one kind of little cherry that everyone clung on to is oh we're going to get 100 million pounds to do all these 3g football pitches for our, our our young kids and i remember saying it's absolutely ludicrous that you find ourselves in a position where you'd sell our national stadium to make grassroots football pitches when we have footballers being paid what they are if you have two hundred and fifty thousand pounds of donation to give to a man who's already been paid incredibly well to do a job which i'm sure he has enjoyed very Absolutely. very much then every yeah. single one of those premier league clubs can give a quarter of a million pounds to grassroots football and they can make x amount of football pitches in their region and then to know what we still own a football stadium called Wembley. It's absolutely yeah, ludicrous. You've got non-league clubs being required <laughs> at a certain level, seven and eight, to they've mm. got to have a certain level of, of dressing room or away dressing room, whatever the rule was. So it's going to be a financial imposition on those clubs. Probably it's going to push some clubs down out of business potentially. Yep. What madness is it that we've got so much money at the top of the game and the very the, the, the basis that they should be is, defending is? Isn't broke. this how it works in Holland? I'm sure they they're. Premiership teams have to. Well, I, I know amount. that the facilities in Holland, because I've seen them myself, like are They're incredible really, for, really for your good, average I'm, for your average like village side. They've got proper I, football. I am pretty sure that their Premiership Premiership teams have to mm. give a certain amount of their income to. We voted Brexit. We don't anything to do with what the Dutch <laughs> yeah, sorry do. About that. What do they know? <laughs>
Yeah. Well. So there we are. And say, inc- interestingly as well, I was speaking to to Alan Dowson, the Woking manager in his in his late sixties. Alan, yep. the other week he had to run twenty miles around the football pitch as a charity run to raise money for a couple of his players who are out injured because they can't work and they're not earning anything because they're on non contract terms at it's a national a no- lo- league mm-hmm. north side in the FA Cup second round. I find it absolutely incredible. Guys, we're going to have to take a break, and then in a couple of moments we're going to head over to the phone lines. Jay Taylor is going to join us. He's a football writer for Football League World. We're going to be Talk about things like what happens if Lee Gregory sold. Welcome back to Love Sport Radio. It's the Millwall Fan Show here, joined in the studio by Nick, Michael and Danielle. And also joined on the phone now by Jay Taylor, a football writer for Football League World. Good evening, Jay. Good evening, guys. So, Jay, we're going to go straight to this because we are reading some of your work here. And it is the quandary, apparently, of Lee Gregory. Out of contract in the summer, uh, being an incredibly impressive and reliable performer for Millwall over the coming years so do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you've written and the thoughts behind it so basically it's just what happens if Lee Gregory goes in January like we all said um, he's out of contract in the summer so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he is possibly sold um, he is 30 now and I'm pretty sure Millwall have a, a policy that anyone over 30 gets a one year deal so if he's looking for anything long term he might have to look elsewhere, and rather than the club losing him on a free transfer, they might look to, to recoup some of that money that they paid for him uh, four years ago in the new year. Mm. Uh, guys, Lee Gregory at 30 years old, do you think the club could break the mould a little bit and give him a two-year contract? I, I would. I definitely would. you, Danielle? Yeah. But realistically, do you think that's something the club will do? Or t- <laughs> it's, it's interesting to see what the breakdown of those contracts are because, I mean, oh, I'm not obviously asking anyone from Hill to ring in, but they could. You know, they could if you want. Yeah, any, anyone in the finance department, let us know. Um, <laughs> but if you look at a lot of our players, so like the Sean Williams, the Steve Morrisons, Danny Shoes, these sort of players, when they hit 30, they, they do stay for that year. There, there doesn't seem to be any worry with with keeping them there it's like well it, it seems like it's a done deal as soon as they're offered the year contract so it'd be interesting to see what the breakdown is I, th- I, I mean the question I've got for Jay I mean obviously Lee Gregory's got a young family I'm, th- th- there's always this idea that he's wants to go back up north he's yeah, from, I think from that's Sheffield. That'd probably be Sheffield yeah. and kids you want to you want to establish yourself you know <laughs> and all that comes with that I, I just think it would be I just think it'd be a crying shame he's such a good player such a real asset for the Mills we side. don't have anyone either that is a like for like replacement for him anyone that is that his work rate is just incredible I mean um, yeah no his, his work his work rate up front is, is, is unbelievable I mean I, I can't remember a, a player in recent years like it you see his first touch as well especially against Norwich on the weekend mm. he was he was phenomenal um, but I think Millwall fans have always had in the back of their head that what if he wants to go back up north there's always that worry with players that are from the north of the country that if they want to go then they'll invariably find a way to go you look at um, Tom Bradshaw for instance playing up in Barnsley he wanted to move back down south and the move came about so there's always that worry that you think if he does want to go when will it be Jay we'll get on to some of the, the possible players you've put forward as you know, potential replacements if in this worst case scenario happened but again playing devil's advocate a little bit and being a little bit hypothetical if Mill decided to cash in on him in January because you know money is 
a little bit tight and if they can recoup a decent fee here then that could go towards buying someone who will obviously there be there beyond the end of this current season how much do you think his market value is to championship clubs and how much do you think Millwall would want for him and demand for him um, I mean you look, you look at Millwall sort of past transfer dealings we don't tend to sell players for a lot of money George Savile was sort of the anomaly there um, but with his, with his age and with his contract coming obviously to an end he's not worth as much as he would have done if he was on say a year and a half or a two year deal um, I reckon we'd be lucky if we got around a million quid for him um, mm. realistically I think that would be the maximum you could probably look at getting for him would that really irk you guys? It would, because mm. I, I don't know what you think, Jay, but I, I think a million quid, you know, we, we, we don't need the million that much, do we? we could, I'd prefer Lee Gregory, give yeah. him the million yeah. and keep him for another yeah. couple of years, because that's the value. What, Lee Gregory for six months and let him go for free, then a million quid in January? Well, you don't, oh. but then we, we, they've got this silly rule. I mean, the rules I, must be broken, aren't the, they? The, the stage we're at this year, you know, in the season with where we are on the table and how we're playing, I, I would swallow that million yeah. pounds and have him for another year two years just to because i think we need him we're a different team without him oh yeah we we, we lack we lack vim up front and this this rule of we don't give uh players over 30 more than one year i mean it's it, it's it's not it's not like a tablet of stone come down from charlton heston it's yeah it's you, you can change <laughs> it can't you you know but the decision could be taken out of your hands lee grogan could be sat here saying i'm 30 years old my contract is out of you know, at the end of the summer, this is an opportunity for me to move somewhere else and earn some, earn more money, whether it's up north or not. So, it's a, again, putting it to you, because you can turn down money for him still in January mm. and say if he decided to go somewhere else in the summer, would you rather take a million quid now or let his contract run out knowing he's leaving in the summer? If, um, I, I, I would probably, I would probably swallow the million, like like the guys have said in, in, in the studio. Um, I think he's, he's worth much more than that, and. and a part of our team, like like you said, without him we are different. Um, he is he is the workhorse up front, if you will. Um, and I, I would rather rather not get anything from. We've got near enough six million quid left from uh, the Jules Savile sale, so we're not in desperate need of money. Money's always nice to have, but I I would I would rather keep him. Looking at the predicament we're in at the minute, um, albeit we're only two points worse off than last year, the expectation is there to do to do more than we did last year, or or, or try and equal it. So I think, uh, in the grand scheme of things, keeping Lee Gregory is imperative rather than selling him in January. Right, Jay, let's go to the three names that you've put forward. Um, we'll start with a name that, I'll be completely honest, I hadn't heard of until I read this today. Uh, James Norwood. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's on fire for Tranmere at the minute. I think he's a top scorer in the league too. Um, he's not the youngest, he's 28, so he's sort of hitting the peak of his career. Um, so it would be a gamble. Um, uh but I think if, if we was able to get him and he was able to settle, I think he could be a, a pretty pretty decent replacement for Lee Gregory. Not like for like, but I think there's attributes that make him similar in a way to, to Greg. Mm. A striker I definitely have heard of because I do the non-league show here on Love Sport Radio. And I know that there is no better striker outside of the Football League right now is Macaulay Bond. Yeah, um, 14 goals in 19 games for Orient, they're second in the league. Um, he is, without that, he's got a lot of potential. He's only 23 still. Um, he obviously was in the Football League with Colchester at one point, yeah. so that didn't work out for one way or another. But we've had another striker that was in the Football League, went to non-league, and it didn't work out. Then he came come to us and Steve Morrison and look at the career he had. So there's no discouraging players that come into the Football League, they drop out to come back in. He's got a point to prove. And with his goals return, um, I don't see why, why I'm or any other club really are not going to look at him. Would you guys be happy with seeing me all 
go, go down into the non-league and League Two to, to pick up a striker. Any issues with that? No, no, I mean, JJ makes a point. I mean, Steve mm. Morrison came from Stevenage Borough, I think it was. It was Stevenage, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and we've, we've you know, we, we, Lee Gregory, Newman. Lee Gregory. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. they're more Millwall type Harris. players because they want to prove themselves. You know, and that's what our fans appreciate. It's not necessarily how well you are on you do on the pitch, but actually, I mean that obviously but helps. That but it extra. is that you know, are you actually trying? And yeah. do, you know, do you actually want to? be there i mean lee, lee i think is a qualified electrician and it, it, it appeals to the millwall psyche that that's mm. that's like one of our own out there absolutely mm. uh, I, I mean i don't know these players here jay but i mean certainly that scoring rate that you've uh, quoted there macaulay bond mm. i think he had about 30 last year as well 14 uh, in 19 and 30 last, i mean that, that's at any level that's that's quality absolutely isn't it? um one name though i think most of us will be familiar with because he's played at championship level and international level with a couple of your boys uh, mm. shane ferguson and uh, connor mclaughlin is connor washington yeah, I mean, we, we had interest in him before he went to Sheffield United. Um, and obviously, the deal got cancelled at QPR for him to go to Bramwell Lane. But he's only played uh, a handful of games um, since being being picked up by Chris Wilder on, on a one-year deal as well. So come January, he's only got six months left. So he might look to get out. Um, if Mill did hold an interest, obviously six months left on his deal, it could be a possibility that we could go in for him, either pre-contract or try and get him um, with only that length of time left. And with, with the um, with the Washington um, potential signing that we're talking about, um, it's interesting because when he was at Peterborough, he was he was on fire. Every, everyone was everyone was after him, wasn't he then? But it just seems to have sort of petered away over the last couple of years. What what, what do you think that is? Um, I, th- I think it just might be sort of wrong place, wrong time. I mean, when he signed for QPR, there was a lot of hype around him. Obviously, because he was at Peterborough. Mm. But I just think maybe the maybe the system that he was played in or how the manager wanted him to play didn't suit him. I think under Neil Harris, the way, um, if he's Gregory's replacement, the way he likes to play is the way that Neil or Neil Harris would like him to play. Mm. So I could really see him flourishing if he were to come to the den. Super stuff. Jay, really, really appreciate your time this evening. That was Jay Taylor, a football writer for Football League World. Uh, do head online, Millwall fans. You can see uh, his article there talking about potential replacements if the worst-case scenario was to happen that Lee Gregory was to leave um, in January. I thought interesting there, Connor Washington, and didn't realise con- that he only w- signed a one-year contract with Sheffield United and with Lee Gregory being a Sheffield boy, and didn't they try to sign him a little while ago? It's a direct swap. There you mm. go. And Hello. Ryan, Ryan Get on the phone. Came to Sheffield. There's a Get lot the going phone. on there. See if we can do a cheeky swap deal. Yeah, it's almost like coming. It's like you know, merging. Would you be open to that? Meet in the middle. Because Connor Washington hasn't quite cut it at championship level. I think I want to know. I'd want to sit Lee Gregory down, <laughs> shut the door, no one, none of his microphone business, and I'd want to know from Lee. Where's this going? Where's he going? What's, what's, what's going on, mate? That's what I'd want to do. Wouldn't you? I'd. I'd, I'd, I'd if he wants to I go would, home, if he wants to go home, I have no problem no. with that at all. I would not like it, but. I would swallow that because that would be his decision and mm. it, the right thing for him, you know. And he, he's not going to leave on a bad note. So, and you've got to weigh up what's on his mind. I mean, if he's got a young kid, you know, you're going to be thinking of schools and the really, rest of it, aren't this you? is the right time for him to you know. to be making a move. Okay, look, guys, I know it is the international break, but this is the last time I'm going to speak to you before your next championship game. Mm. You're going to welcome Phil Parkinson's at Bolton. Relegation six points. Yeah, well, they're obviously they're they're down there, and you unfortunately at this point find yourselves there. But a win takes you up about four, five, six positions. As it does the same for Bolton. You're on the same uh, amount of points, sixteen. They haven't won in a long, long time. How much pressure is on this game now? 
big because you've obviously lost the last two yeah. this is a huge opportunity at home to win isn't it yeah I mean if we've got results Saturday different different um, feeling but I, I say it's a big game must must yeah, win it's a must win I can't you know can't be can't be leaving these points behind can we no absolutely not no. You, you, what you need to do is you need you need to have you need to ideally have like a five six point cushion just go, just before Christmas, and then you can start thinking. Do you know what? We might actually be all right. You know. I think if we can get a win against Bolton, then it takes a lot of the the pressure off of yeah. us, and maybe we'll banish a few demons that are kind of lurking about this last minute. Yeah, no, I think the international breaks probably come at the right time. It gives us a bit of a chance to regroup and you know air out a few issues if there are any. And mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think after <laughs> your rather turbulent afternoon the town uh, in east anglia after that 4-3 probably happy with a a 1-0 win wouldn't a you boring against one win exactly 1-0 jordan archer to score we'll take we'll <laughs> take that as predictions from all three of you guys absolute pleasure having you with me Thank this you, evening enjoy the rest of the international break hope brexit works out if you michael whatever that is uh, make sure you're <laughs> back you, tomorrow morning love sport radio ian stone breakfast show from 6 30. This is Love Sport. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.